Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a good friend of the podcast, Cody Nelson from the Outdoorsman's, the Optics Authority in Phoenix. Uh, Cody, how you doing? I'm doing real good, Jay. Glad to be on today. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have been busy down at the shop uh, taking care of customers and um, doing what you always do. Uh, that's that's good news. Well, I, I got to tell you, I think it's been one of the best years the Outdoorsman's has ever had so far. So we're uh, we are we are holding on tight and trying to do everything we can to take care of our customers and and uh, and it's just been I, I can't it, the the growth has been absolutely crazy again it's just it never ceases to amaze me. That's awesome. Um, I know the last time we talked, Swarovski was having their big sale. Um, how has that sale been going and how have the customers responded? Uh, the customers, the response has been overwhelming. Um, it is still going strong. We had, you know, there's always a little bit of a lull, you know, right before Thanksgiving because everybody's got their mind on other things. But, um, you know, yesterday and today we just we picked right back up and and kind of left off right where we started, and it's it's been nothing short of of awesome. So it's uh, I, I couldn't have asked for a better time of year to to put a little something together and it, and it still goes through the, uh, you know, the, you know, December 30, <clears throat> excuse me, December 31st. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, Cody, so, a, a question in general, um, when you get calls into the shop every day, if you had to just say, and, and not talking manufacturer, just talking power of binocular, uh, are most people buying tens, most people buying 12 or let's, eights tens twelves or fifteens if you had to just say one what would be your number one if i if i had to just pick one the 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 question that we get the most is always and probably always has been with the 15 power binocular um and and that's i i think a lot of it jay becomes uh, first of all um with the way that we hunt out in west um and I think it a lot has to do with the fact that, you know, we um, actually have a little history with the 15 power binocular and, and Swarovski and, and certainly a little history with, uh, with the new Zeiss Conquest 15. So um, we get that question absolutely undoubtedly the most uh, about the 15s. Do you think that's also a function of most people that are calling probably have some sort of eight or 10 power binocular and that's kind of been the standard for many, many years as people having, you know, just, just the, the go-to, you know, standby binocular and, um, or, or do you feel like, the, you know, they're, they already have 15s and they're calling you about upgrading 15s? You know, I, it, it's funny because with Swarovski's, you know, new uh, 15 that they came out and then, um, you know, over the last couple of years, um, you know, I mean, I, I think you get, there's two calls we get. We get the guys that are upgrading to the brand new ones. And then we get guys that are upgrading, you know, from, you know, one brand and now they want to buy anybody and everybody's older 15 from Swarovski or, so it's, it's been really kind of fun to have that, you know, it's fun to watch people kind of progress in their, in their grade of glass that they buy. Um, but I think to answer, you know, the question about the eights and tens, you know, almost everybody out west kind of starts with a 10 by 42. That's kind of the, the go-to glass. Um, 
you know, you have a few guys. I mean, like myself, I wear an eight by forty-two most of the time, or an eight by thirty on my neck. Um, you know, the back east guys are, you know, they're fairly commonly, you know, they they're fairly common that they have a a set of, of eights, um, and mainly because of terrain and they want a wider field of view. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's fun to watch people go through that progression. Um, you know, of adding, you know, uh, tools to the toolbox, so to speak. Yeah, you mentioned um, briefly, you mentioned the new uh, Zeiss 15s. Uh, how do they compare uh, with the Swarovski 15s as far as size and uh, image quality? Oh, sure. And, you're going to come out and just, you're, you're just going to hammer me on that? You're just going to make me say it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I got to tell you, I don't think that there's a better 15 on the market than uh, than um, than the Swarovski's uh, 1556. Um, the Zeiss is a very close second, um, and, and and the only reason I think you get a you get a little bit tighter edge to edge clarity, um, you know, on the Swarovski, the Zeisses do, you know, uh, really superbly when it comes to the you know the center of the the ring, but it, again, you know, you just want to be careful with that because, you know, some people, you know, aren't just going to go out and spend 2,300 bucks on a, on a pair of, uh, you know, 15 through floral and, and, you know, you can get the, you know, the Swarovskis for, you know, that 1799. And so, you know, there's always a good trade off there. And, uh, it just um, so I so think I, I missed just, you there. Are you saying the Zeiss are more expensive or less expensive than the, the Swarovski? No, the, the Zeiss are, the Zeiss are less expensive by, oh, I think it's almost 500 bucks. So it's, it's a pretty good fair amount. And I may even, I, I'm trying to look at my numbers, but, um, I, you know, with the Swarovski sale, it, you know, they're 1999, but you're still, you know, just a little bit more expensive than the, than the Zeiss. So, um, bottom line is, is that, you know, once you get above that, that Zeiss conquest, I mean, there's, there's only two pair of glasses to go with. Um, you know, the Leica 1556 with the rangefinder, um, they do. Okay. Um, I don't, I, I don't think that there is, uh, certainly with the HD glass, I think the Leicas are, are, are right there with the Zeiss. Um, but, uh, bottom line is, if you want the best 15 on the market, um, gosh, I, you just got to go with the Swarovski on that one. Yeah, and then uh, how do the Vortex uh, 15s uh, play? I, I know that people, you know, every, everybody's got a different budget. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, Vortex sells quite a few of their uh, 15s. Um, would you say for the money, they're just like the next step down as far as optical quality? And I don't want to get you in trouble with all, all of your manufacturers, but I mean, let's, let's, let's be real no, and, I mean, and compare I, look, them for what they are. Be, but yeah, but let's be real with each other. The, the, the Vortex, they're, they're, I mean, they are an economical minded, they're a great piece of glass. Um, the, I mean, I, I, when you start comparing those pieces of glass, Jay, I mean, I'm not afraid to to, to just put it right out there. It, it's different people have different needs. They have different wallets. They have different, you know, uh, uses and time frames and and when in in terms of how much they're going to use it. So 
you know, when somebody comes to me and they say, Cody, I want the best piece of glass for the best value. I, I'm, you know, more than likely they're going to end up purchasing a pair of uh, 1556 Kybabs from Vortex. Um, if somebody wants to upgrade from that, you know, then, then they start looking at the Zeiss and, and then, you know, they, they naturally will, will look at the Swarovski. So I think that there's a natural progression in those things. And, and one thing that always needs to be pushed back on to, you know, the buyer, Jay, is it's what they think, not what I think. Yes, I get people that ask me every day, Cody, what do you use? And I will tell them what I use. I'll tell them what's in my pack. But it always comes back to what is that person's, you know, needs and wants and what is their, you know, financial limitations or maybe they don't have any. And it always, always comes back to what's best for that, you know, that, uh, that customer. And so when we're selling, it always, always, always comes back to the, the three things that I tell people. Buy the best class you can afford. Put it on a tripod and slow down when you're glassing. If, if you just go back to the first one, buy the best class you can afford. You know, some people might be able to afford, you know, but they're never going to use a pair of Swarovskis but once a year. Well, you know, some guy may not want to spend 2300 bucks like that, and he wants to, to get, you know, the, the next great, you know, best, best thing and spend, you know, basically uh, almost half the money. I, I get where that guy's coming from. Yeah. So it, it, it's, all, it, it's, all, it's all a matter of value to the customer. What does it mean to the customer? And I think that that's, that's what we, we do so much at the Outdoorsman's is, is that when people call us, you know, we're not trying to throw things, you know, I mean, we, we try to educate people and we try to give people choices and allow them to make the choice that best suits their needs. Yeah, I mean, I, how I, often I do customers come in with, and, and, you know, get a, every pair of 15s that you have and go out in the parking lot and look through the Kaibabs and look through the Swarovskis and look through the Lycos well, and look the, through the Zeiss? That's an everyday occurrence. Yeah. We will set glasses up on a tripod for people and take them out back and look at the mountains. And, you know, we got hikers out there every day. And especially now with the weather being as beautiful as it is, you know, we can, you know, we can literally put glass on a tripod, show you out back and, and literally, um, you know, you can see the differences in the glasses yourself and make the, the, the choice that, that, you know, what, what is best for you. Sure. Well, that's that's good stuff right there. Um, I want to talk to you today about coos deer hunting, specifically with these uh, December hunts coming up. Uh, this year, the season dates are the 9th through the 31st. And um, I, I want to talk to you. I know you've been on a bunch of December hunts and, and uh, want to kind of get your take on the changes uh that these deer go through but from a behavioral standpoint i want to go through some of the changes you go through as sure. far as where you're looking uh maybe your duration you know time frame where you're looking throughout the day how things change uh not only that throughout this season one thing i think that's so interesting about this you know ninth through the uh 31st season is uh, you know, you get virtually no rut at the beginning towards the end of the hunt, you could have full blown rut. And so there's a, you know, a two, three week period there where a lot happens. Um, but before we get to that, let's take a quick break. 
GoHunt.com Insider is by far the most valuable tool a Western hunter could give themselves. GoHunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for Western hunting for a lot of reasons. GoHunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code JSCOTT, at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsmen in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsmen is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. So Cody, these um, coos deer that we've been hunting for many years, I get a lot of questions, uh, people listening to the podcast, and I get a lot of questions in. And, um, you know, I thought you would be a great person to have uh, being an Arizona resident and native here and uh, someone that uh, has, has hunted these deer and, you know, is very passionate about it. Uh, the December, what, what's known as the rut uh, se- season is pretty cool because, you know, for one, the temperature compared to the October and the November and even the late November, early December seasons typically you've got a lot cooler weather whereas in october on several of these last podcasts we've been talking about you know real warm temperatures what these deer are doing and just your we're going to dive into a bunch of the details of the hunt but what is your general consensus of these december quote-unquote rut hunts uh for coos deer well jay you know i guess you know i've been hunting whitetail i think i've had two mule deer tags since 1987 so i guess you could say i've been hunting uh, i've been hunting you know whitetail more than anything for the longest and i can tell you that of those times the majority of those tags that i've drawn and the majority of the tags that i always put in for a forced choice are always um, the December hunts. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of people get, oh, it's a, it's a rut hunt and they get really excited about that. And I will tell you that, yes, it, it, it can be a rut hunt, but I, you know, I hunt the late hunt because it's my favorite time of year to be out. I love cold mornings. I love, you know, the, the, the mild weather during the day. And I love, you know, the cold evenings. Um, it, you know, the deer seem, you know, they're, they're, they're all, they don't seem to be that they're just more active at that time. And, 
And I just think it's the most beautiful time to, to be out in, in Arizona. Um, I love the fact that it can snow. I love the weather at that time of year. Um, I mean, it is, it, to me, it's just the best time to be out. And, and the season is the longest. Yeah. But I think, and Jay, as you well know, I'm not saying that you would never see rut activity in the earlier part of a, a December whitetail hunt. I'm just saying don't get your hopes up too high. Right. I mean, Cause Cody, it's, it's just. Yeah, I mean, I, I sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I mean, you no, hear, no, no, you no, hear no. people talk about the rut hunt and, you know, they get all worked up and all fired up and they wait all year and, you know, they prep and scout and do all the thing. And then they go the first three days and they're like, where's the rut? This, you know, this sucks. And I, I'd like to say, like, I think you were alluding to till I interrupted you, you know, don't get too high. Don't get too low. Just kind of take it for what it is. Um, it's fairly rare to see quite a bit of rutting activity early, uh, but the closer you get to Christmas and the, you know, the further after Christmas you get, the more chance you're going to have bucks chasing does and, you know, get a lot of that real pre-rut activity and depending on where you hunt, you know, if you're, if you're in some of the central Arizona units, I mean, if, if, if in, in my mind, it has to do with cold weather. If you have nice, crisp, cold weather after Christmas, central Arizona units, you could see full-on chasing bucks, you know, nose Absolutely. to the ground, you know, does running, snorting, you know, the, the full chase and rut that you hear about. Um, I, I think that could absolutely happen. Uh, I've seen it happen. Um, but you know, as you say, this season starts on the 9th and goes through the 31st. It's the longest coos deer season other than the January archery season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it's the longest season we have. And so one of the benefits of the season, not only is cooler weather and potential rutting, pre-rutting, but you get a a long period of time to do it. So it's a... Absolutely. Well, and Jay, one of the things that probably needs to be said is, is that, look, when most people talk about and they start hunting the December hunt, I would give you a number. I don't know what the number is. I, I don't know what the percentage is, but it, it's a high percentage. It's the people that are trying to hunt that hunt, they're doing so because they want to kill an older age class buck. Okay. And the thing of it is, is that you might see the little bucks and I'm talking like little forks or little two point work, you know, whatever they are, you might see them rubbing a bush. You might see them, you know, like fighting each other or just kind of sparring a little bit. You might even see them trailing a doe pretty hard, but you know, it's, 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 that's just merely interesting. When it really gets going, you will know. And I, I just think that there is, there's, a, there's, you know, people just need to understand that I think some people get so carried away with the rut and, you know, it's going to be like this, oh my God, the big bucks are going to come flying out of the timber and, or, you know, wherever they're going out of. <laughs> I just kind of want to tell everybody, that's really not the way it's going to happen until you see it happen. Right. And it's normally... It, you know, when, when if people really want to hunt a rifle tag and they want to hunt coos deer in the late season and you want to see the rut, your best chances of seeing the rut 
are the, basically the last five or six days, you know, like from Christmas on to the 31st. Yeah, and if you look at these um, December, let's call them the, the December rut coos deer hunts, um, you know, for non-residents, most of these are taken, you know, and maybe some of the units, maybe seven points up, you know, to eight, nine, 10, 11, maybe even 12 points uh, without, you know, looking at the numbers in front of me. Uh, so for non-residents, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it could take a little while for guys to draw those tags, you know, as well as residents, most of the tags, you know, like uh, unit 22, I think there's 50, unit 23, I think there's 85, uh, 21, I want to say there's 46, A, I want to say there's like 40 or 50. You go, it's, yeah, it's 40 or 50. You go down south and, and you know, normally units, you know, 34A and 36C and, you know, 35A and B, I mean, where you've got, you know, five, 600 tags per hunt October, per hunt November, per hunt early or late uh, November. So those three hunts, and then all of a sudden you've got the December hunt and there's, you know, anywhere from 25 to maybe up to 100 uh, December tags. So you have a much lower tag number. I think that's one thing that makes these hunts so good um, uh, as, as well as the other things we talked about. Specifically this year, when I look at the dates uh, starting November 9th, or excuse me, December 9th, that basically gives you the weekend. If you're just hunting weekends, you get four weekends. You get the 9th, 10th, and 11th. You get the uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th. You get the 23rd, 24th, 25th. Granted, 25th on a Sunday, you know, if you miss Christmas Day, a, a lot of guys would, you know, get get in trouble but then even the last weekend you've got uh you know friday and saturday the the hunt ends on a saturday the 31st and you know that's pretty cool that you can get four weekends not to mention if you're taking any time off during the week um i try and tell people that in my mind this hunt starts on christmas day um and, yep. and if you only had you know six days i would do everything you got to do Christmas day. And then I would be driving out of town, planning to hunt 26, 27, 28, 29th, 30th, and 31st. And you're going to get the best six days of that hunt. That's not to say that every yep. year routinely, you know, big bucks get shot early because they do. But I get asked all the time, well, what days would you hunt? Well, when I look specifically at this year, uh, this year, the moon is going to be full on the 13th. So it starts on the 9th and it goes full on the 13th. One of the interesting right. things, and, and I don't want to act like I know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm uh, looking here at Google is the 16th, or excuse me, December 13th is going to be a supermoon. So if I read this here, a supermoon happens when a full moon or new moon coincides with the moon's closest approach to the earth, also called perigee. A super full moon looks 12 to 14% bigger than its counterpart, the micro moon. Uh, the next supermoon is December 16th. And or excuse me, December 2016, this says December 14th is the full moon. The next, uh, let's see, 
Let's see here. The next time a full so moon is even closer to Earth is going to be 2024. And the last time that it was this close was January 26, 1948. And so what I'm telling you looking at this chart is this moon is going to be 14% bigger than a normal full moon. So what, well, by telling you there, that, Cody, what does one, that tell you? Well, what tells me is, is like for me to just judge the, the best part of the hunt, it's going to be the second half of the hunt. Why? If I just had to make a gut call, because, you know, on a full moon, you know, the deer typically are up moving around at night. You know, it also depends on the temperatures and how cold it is. But, you know, the, the fact of it is, is that, you know, you see typically less deer movement on full moons, you know, in the morning. You might see them up middle, moving around middle of the day, but, you know, the morning hunts are not going to be as productive it, and almost always are never as productive on full moons. I agree. Now, I'm not I talking agree. about Virginia white tail. I'm not, I'm talking, I'm talking coos deer in the state of Arizona, New Mexico, and, and I've never been to Mexico, but the fact of it is, is that, you know, all that, that activity seems to coincide with each other. I, I, so I with a full moon, that, that yeah, it, I, I think it's the only thing that's good out of that full moon is, is that for some reason you forgot your flashlight headlamp or your batteries run low, you're probably not going to have a problem walking around at night. That's a fact. Yeah. And I mean, the reality is this, it is what it is. So if you have a December coos deer hunt coming up, Maybe you look at your schedule and maybe your better half is giving you pressure for this, that, and the other for the holidays. And, you know, you're going to have to choose your time. Maybe you're not fortunate enough to be able to say, I'm taking the entire hunt and hunting every day. So maybe you say, hmm, maybe the first weekend, if, if, if I was going to bag and, you know, do some honeydews, maybe you look at those first part of the dates and say, Maybe you miss opening weekend. It starts on the 9th and, uh, you know, maybe you decide that it's full moon. So you'll have really bright conditions, you know, the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, you know, maybe, Correct. maybe you try and go in on the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, then come back for Christmas and hit it hard. You know, the last part of the hunt. Um, one thing I will say is I totally agree with you about full moon conditions and coos deer, uh, coos deer, in my mind, they're up, they're feeding, uh, you know, they don't need, or they can get what they need at night. And so for usually the first couple of hours in the morning on a full moon or, or even a bright moon, and I'm not even talking about a super moon. Um, you know, the first couple hours, you're not going to see a lot of deer. One thing I will tell you is if, right. you know, Cody, you weigh in, if you're going to go on the opening weekend this year and hunt that ninth, you know, uh, ninth through the 13th and right during that brightest time, you know, it would never happen, but you could literally show up there at nine or 10 o'clock and plan on glassing from like 11 to two. And honestly, probably see more deer from 11 to 2 in those times than those first couple hours. And I mean, if you live here in Phoenix or in Tucson or you live place where, you know, you've got a couple, you know, an hour, hour and a half commute to your unit, you could potentially wake up with the family, get the kids off to school, do whatever, 
and run up and be there by 10 o'clock in the morning and hunt, you know, three hour, four hours in the day and probably have just as good a, if you went the whole time. I, I, Jay, I would tell you that that's absolutely true. Um, it's happened to me several times and it, it's just kind of one of those things that when you get a full moon and you have lost movement during the day, um, if, if, I mean, even if you're going to be there at, at, you know, first light and, and stay all day, I just have always kind of told people that that is a, that is a full day glass right there. Um, because you're, you're just, you're almost probably going to get a little frustrated in the morning, but give it time and be patient because those deer got to get up and move around at some point and they will, you know, and especially if it's cold enough or, you know, they got a storm coming on or something, they'll get up and start moving around, but they'll start moving around, you know, in the middle part of the day. And, uh, I, I have found those times to be very productive like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would even go as far as saying, um, you know, this all, uh, if we got a serious cold snap, okay. That, that first weekend where we got, you know, bitter cold, cold snap, you turn on the news and it's way colder than normal. You're, you're looking at, you know, 15, 18, 20 degrees in the morning highs, you know, 45 during the day. I would say that the, yep. the cold temperature could equal out or even negate the full moon. If you have cloudy conditions, Good. if you have clear and crisp, as long as it's really, really cold, I could potentially see those deer because cooster have such thin skin. You know, they could decide to lay up all night, even though it's bright, it's super cold. They may jump up when the sun comes up. So, yep, I mean, absolutely. I would say to watch out for, for that, wouldn't you? Uh, it, it would be preferable. You know, and one of the caveats and one of the things that people should be really kind of understanding is, is that if you do have limited time during that late hunt, do not pigeonhole yourself so bad. Because if you think that the only time that you're going to get is, let's just say it's the last five uh, uh you know, the last five days or six days of the hunt and you have the opportunity to hunt like the first weekend and maybe the middle weekend, go hunt those the best you can. But what happens is, is I've had this happen to myself and I've had it happen to, you know, good friends is they think, Oh, I'm just, I'm not even going to go out until the last, you know, part of the hunt. And then Arizona gets hammered with one of those giant weather storms that we do in the, the, the rim country or the North country gets hammered with with snow and it you know locks down the roads and i mean it can absolutely put a you know a death grip on your hunt to where you can't you know they'll arizona has a tendency to want to shut highways down pretty quick and it will happen so i just always tell people hunt as much and as often you can during that hunt but don't pigeonhole yourself so bad that you can you know, that, that, that is the only time you can hunt is the late hunt, but, um, it, and it's, it's a crapshoot, but that's hunting and yeah. that's mother nature. And, you know, uh, it, it's unfortunate sometimes, but you just got to go with, you know, what, what God lays out there and, and make it work and have some fun and, and, uh, and get after it is really what it comes down to. For sure. Um, let's take a quick break. After that, I want to talk to you about, uh, some of the, the tactics you use on these December hunts. 
PhoneScope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Real Game Calls, featuring the Elk Reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.ElkReel.com. So, Cody, one of the things I wanted to point out um, before we get on to tactics you use kind of during these ruddy hunts um, is if you look at, we're talking about moon phase, and if you look at when the new moon or what I call, you know, the dark moon, uh, it will be dark on the 29th of December. So those days after Christmas, 26th is, I mean, just barely a sliver, 27th, barely a sliver, 28th, just a smidge of a sliver, 29th, completely dark moon, and then, you know, 30th, uh, it, it, it's, you know, th- those, those dates, um, those, I'm predicting after Christmas, some big bucks this year are going to get hammered. And I'm predicting that the, you know, the reports are going to come in that those last five, even six days uh, of the hunt this year are going to be epic. Um, that's that's my prediction. Uh, yeah. One thing that can just slow that down is if we all of a sudden got, you know, warm temps and, you know, people are down here at Christmas in their, you know, shorts and, and shirts, <laughs> that could that could totally wipe that out. But if we have, you know, normal or below normal temperatures added with that dark moon after Christmas, I think it could be unreal. Well, Jay, there's nothing as a Phoenix, you know, Scottsdale resident, there is nothing more exciting for me that when I see that there's no moon and I see freeze warning temperatures in the, in the city of Phoenix, because when I see those, it kind of, you know, and, and you get a little weather going. To me, it's like the it's like the perfect storm, and it's I literally start, you know, scratching at the door like a dog trying to get in. I literally am trying to get out of the house, and I want to get up north. Yeah, when Car- those, yeah, I, I just when Caribe divine when we starts get, talking about covering your plants, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I hope it, they all die. You know exactly. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. But that's it. Really, is kind of funny how it it all comes together like that. And it's just, you know, that, that it, it, all that weather, the moon, it all plays a factor. You know, um, I, I think the truth of it is, is that if you have a doe that comes into estrus for some reason, you know, in the early part of the hunt, you're going to have bucks on it. Um, now you might not have the biggest bucks in the area or, I mean, you know, just, 
you know, because a lot of those bigger bucks will start moving around and, and, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll start covering bigger distances, finding those. And, uh, and that's, you know, generally, you know, speaking, that's what we've been talking about, but, you know, we see more activity, bucks start to get on a little bit bigger loops and, and patterns that they make. And it's because they're looking for does that are, uh, you know, that are in estrus. They're looking for does that are ready to, to, uh, to breed. Cody, let's talk about that timing uh, progression of the rut a little bit and bounce a few ideas off each other. What what I normally see is as that December hunt rolls on, you see little bucks spikes and little two points kind of chasing and with the does and kind of nosing the does. And then you may be glassing, you know, hillsides and all of a sudden you see a nice, you know, kind of uh, medium maturity, you know, the next step up buck. And, um, you know, they're kind of raking their antlers on a bush and maybe sparring, you know, 75, 80 inch bucks kind of sparring with each other. And you then all of a sudden you may glass over and here's a fully mature, you know, 9,500, 105 inch deer. And they may be just walking. Talk to me about the walk. Yeah. Oh, there's a. Are we talking about the nose to the ground? Like I'm looking for something walk. <laughs> well, I think there's the the nose to the ground sniffing it out walk, which you know comes a little bit later. But then there's also just yeah. the walk, and they never stop, and they're kind of sniffing, and they're just going, going, well, going, and then yeah, gone. Yeah, there, there's a there's a def, there's a definitive kind of a gate. There's there's two kinds of there, there's the gate where they're just kind of on a on a continual search. And they, I mean, you can watch them go from one side of your field of view to the other, and they may never even stop. And then there's that gate where they're, where, where their nose to the ground and it's more of like a trot. And, and, you know, you see both of those, but you know, in that early part of the season, um, yeah, if you, uh, if you find a big old buck and he's, and he's moving from one side to the other and he just, he literally is not stopping. Um, it is interesting because I've watched him walk two or three ridges. Cody, it, talking about tactics in that exact, let's say you glass up a nice 100-inch buck and he's just covering across a hillside and he's got that walk, not the nose to the ground walk, but kind of the sniffing, but just continuous walking. And it's not the nose to the ground like he's pretty dang close to a doe. It's more like he's on a trail and he smells it, but he's a long ways behind her. Right. Do you tend to want to get up and move or do you tend to want to stay exactly where you are? Cause no. you may miss him on one Ridge, but you're going to catch him. If you can extrapolate out all of a sudden he's yeah. on that same line, three ridges over. Yeah. Jay, I, you know, there's, I guess there's times to be aggressive and times not to, but you know, if I find a buck that's moving like that, generally speaking, we are going to stay put and we're going to watch him as long as we can watch him until we have, you know, the best idea that we can, you know, formulate that that deer, either we watched him bed down and he's in a spot or we, you know, or we, you know, we know that that's where he went and that's where he beds down at. So, um, you know, generally speaking, it, we are not just going to go flying out that deer. I, I guess if the terrain is right and you feel like you can get around on a different ridge and, and look back into where he's at, you've got to make those calls at, at that moment in time. But generally speaking, you're going to watch him and you're going to stay with him for as long as possible and, and, and try to bed him down. And as soon as he beds down, 
Um, you know, we, uh, and Jay, I know you guys do a lot of this as well as we, and, you know, Cody and I, and, you know, we, you know, you leapfrog, you, you keep a pair of eyes on him and a guy moves. And then when that guy picks him up and, and stays on him, we leapfrog the other guy over to him or, you know, it, it just depends on, on what the circumstance is, but generally speaking, we're staying on him until he beds down and we got a, a real good idea where he's at. Yeah. And I think that, that, you know, the rut walk, as we call it, you know, I think one of the challenges is they're just covering country. There's two things. I'm kind of putting it in the back of my mind that, okay, there's a good buck around in this area. And as this season progresses, you know, he is a buck that I'm expecting will show back up in these couple of ridges here. And this is kind of the terrain that he works. And as well as if you see a buck on a walk and he's just covering country, one of the challenges is you may never catch up with that deer again. So if you can leapfrog like what you're saying, Cody, uh, or if you could, you know, make your way over where the last place you saw him, the best chance you have is potentially if he beds after walking three or four ridges, sometimes they'll bed. One of the challenges, and curious what your thoughts are, when they're in that rut walk you know, phase, they bed, but it seems like they only bed for like 30, 40 minutes, an hour. You know, Obviously, if it's super hot and he's walking, 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 and you know it's going to be hot that afternoon, you probably have a good chance that he's going to bed and stay there. But Let's say it's, you know, it's crisp, let's, it's cloudy, it's a, it's a cold front, and he's just on a walk. A lot of times they'll bed for, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes, an hour, and then boom, they're up and walking again. So, Correct. you know, it, it, it becomes a challenge. If I know that it's going to get real warm, I'm going to go to the last place that I saw the buck and hope that he holds up in that canyon. I'm going to be glassing probably in the shade. I want to be glassing on the thick side of the hill, hoping that I can find them. If it's cold and, you know, a, a, a moving day, so to speak, I'm going to try and get someone over on that deer as quickly as possible and know that you may never see that deer again uh, until he shows up a week later, you know, actually locked on does. Um, well, and see, that's what I was going to say, too, because you also have that other option, Jay. And, and, and you know, we, I know we've both seen this, but you see that buck go by you, and, and, and maybe this is your favorite glassing spot, and literally you might sit in that same place for one, two, maybe three days, and and literally, I mean, I've seen it where all of a sudden, well, here comes the deer back going back across, you know, or maybe he's coming in a different direction, but he's just, he, I mean, he's making whatever he's doing, he's making that full loop. And, uh, and I've seen it a number of times where, you know, you see the same buck and he's just kind of doing the same, maybe that's not the same trail. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the same ridge, but a little lower or higher, or, you know, just depending on what he's doing. But, uh, you know, you have that option too. A lot of guys, you know, they know because they've spent so much time in a certain place. If I stay right here, I'll, you know, and especially during the rut time, that deer, you know, as long as he doesn't get shot by somebody else or pushed or moved or whatever, he, he'll make his rounds again. He'll come back through. Yeah, he's just out checking, it, it, checking it, the round. Yeah, he, he's just out checking, and, and now it's a guesswork of, well, am I going to catch him in the next, you know, is, it, is that a day? Is that two days? Is that, you know, every, fi- I, I don't know. And that's, that's where the hunting gets really interesting because during the rut, 
at a certain time, those deer can do anything they want to do. Talk to me about the does. In my mind, on these December hunts and the later that the hunt gets, and Gotta as, hunt them. as this hunt progresses, um, you know, are you hunting areas that are are more doe infested? Tell me the the, the tra- transition of the hunt as far as where you're choosing to hunt, how that changes from the beginning of the hunt to the end of the hunt. So say the first week compared to the last week. Well, I, I mean, it, it goes without saying that the, the harder and the closer you get to the that you know magic time of the rut, the more that you're hunting the does. And I mean, when you're finding a group of does or maybe you've got a ridge that you know, maybe has, you know, two does here and three here and, you know, four over here or whatever the case may be, I'm going to center all my effort on, on staying with the does because inevitably the bucks are coming to the does that, I mean, I, I've just, I've seen it too much. I've had too much, you know, good luck with it. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, from the beginning to the end, I, you know, the, all of a sudden, you can have two or three does in a spot and you can watch two or three different bucks come into the same pocket. So, you know, whereas if you watch those does in the beginning of the hunt, you might have little bucks around, but you know, we've actually seen it where, you know, um, yeah, by the end of the hunt, you take those same does that are on the same hillside every day and you can have three, four bucks to, you know, come into a place. That's what I I love about the rut is, is, you know, watching those does, you know, from the beginning of the hunt, even scouting, you know, this year it starts on the ninth and you do all your scouting and you see doe, 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 doe. And you think, gosh, I I just love to see some bucks. But if you can get to know your doe groups, get to know their patterns, get to know where they kind of like to feed, get to know kind of what they do towards the end of the hunt, like you said, when that rut, when that switch flips and, and it's on, you'll have a buck with every single doe. I mean, not yep. each doe per, per se, but each doe group will have a buck of some sort with them. It's very rare to see does in that after Christmas time frame that don't have a buck with them. Yeah, it may be, and, and sometimes it may be a little spike or a two-point, or it may be a big old giant that you've been looking for, but inevitably there you know there will be a buck with those does cody as this season you know let's let's talk about now the after christmas when you're anticipating let's say everything works perfectly cold front you know caribe divine's got her coat on i'm you know i'm here reporting from the you know the 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 uh the the patio and snows on the way and freeze warnings and you know those typical winter storms and you know you're just jumping for joy let's say that that's rolling in it's you know and let's say that that hits you know say on christmas and then the next six days are just cold and crisp so we've got cold and crisp we've got dark moon i mean if if everything that's perfect alignment of everything for you know maximum what i would call rutting activity at the end of the december hunt granted i think most of the rutting takes place you know in january but cold 
you know, of Dark Moon after Christmas is as good as you can get with this December tag. How how do you see the deer reacting and and you know, how would your morning setup be? What would you be expecting to look for? You know, what are positives? What are negatives? Uh, you know, that you see as far as, uh oh, this is happening that, you know, we need to change or, yep, I'm sitting in the right spot because I'm seeing, you know, X, Y, or Z. You know, I, I, I think, you know, when it gets cold like that and, um, the first thing, you know, and I'm saying, you know, the weather is good and we got sun and it's not storming per se. Um, I think one of the big things to keep in mind at, at that time of year is the deer in what I've found pretty, you know, even when, you know, when we've killed a couple of big bucks, you know, during that late season, the deer are, are very, um, they want that sun. And a lot of times I might not see a whole lot of movement before the sun is up, but when that sun hits the top of the mountain and you start working your way down with your glasses, I can't tell you how many times that we've, you know, sat there and just counted the deer as the sun crept its way down the mountain and, you know, the deer just stand up and they literally, it's almost like they're basking in the sun just for that, that, you know, first couple, two, three, four minutes, just to kind of get the blood warm and, you know, going through their body. So I use the sun to my advantage, you know, the sun at my back for the most part. Um, and, you know, a lot of times if you, you know, I mean, obviously if there's a group of does or, you know, you might see a whole, you know, three, four, you know, group of deer stand up together and, you know, I mean, it's kind of like the start of their day. I mean, I've seen that a lot. Um, but at that time of year, Jay, that's, I really do truly believe that, um, you know, if you get good cold weather like that and, and it's not quote unquote in a storm, you might you see a lot of activity if a storm's coming and and they know it and they're out feeding and moving and because they you know they sense it more than you do that you know something big's coming and you know they need to start eating and storing energy or whatever it is that their natural instincts tell them but um man i use the sun a lot for that um and 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 sometimes you know they won't even bed up on the on the north sides in the shade they'll you know if it's cold enough they'll, they'll bed right out in the middle of the sun you know, as plain as day. And, uh, and, and so, um, it really, in terms of your glassing, um, I get super aggressive and, and try to, you know, be looking around at all different places and, and try to catch as much of that sunrise as I can. And then, you know, um, you know, if you got deer that are moving, I mean, you know, a lot of times they might bet up by nine or, you know, whatever in the morning, but, you know, if you got a good rutting pocket, uh, God, that might go clear into the, you know, into, you know, 10, 11 in the morning, I've seen it go. I want to clarify something you said, and make sure that I understand you correctly and the listeners understand you correctly. With the conditions that we're talking about after Christmas, cold, you know, not a storm, just bluebird, but crisp cold, you know, frost on the ground, you're following the sun line and you're glassing fast or slow for the first hour. Well, you know, okay, so you only get one sunrise. What do you mean and, by that? Well, I mean, well, I mean, you only get one sunrise in the morning. So when that, when you start to see that that light hit the mountain, 
I'm trying to cover as much of that sun sunlight as possible because, and Jay, I'll say it, the deer just stand out like sore thumbs sometimes. It's like it's almost like they glow. And when they stand up and that and everything hits them, they just they stand up and you can just see them really really well. The light in the morning, the heat waves are down. I mean, it's just like a perfect scenario to be glassing aggressively back and forth across that sunline. You know, you know where, where the sun's going down. You know, the the sun's coming up, but the shadow line is is disappearing, going down the mountain, and. I just think that's the greatest time to be really super aggressive with following that line back and forth. And, you know, uh, it, it, you know, depends on who you're with and how many guys you got, but you know, if everybody's got a piece of country, man, you can, I mean, I've seen in the morning where you got, you know, 10, 15, 20 deer, you know, in the first 15 minutes and, and then, you know, then the work starts because now you got to keep track of them all. Yeah, I heard you say something, and I want to hit on it. I noticed you didn't say up and down. I noticed you said side to side, and I know you and I have talked about this before, but I'd like you to drive that point home of you're sitting behind your tripod, your your binoculars are mounted, and you're glassing side to side. I, I'm picturing that sun line hitting the highest point of the mountain, and then as the sun rises, obviously that line tends to come down, like you're saying. But I didn't hear you say you're glassing up and down. I hear you saying side to side. Why? Yeah, well, it's just because that's your widest. You know, I mean, the, the sun line is you know is is left to right more than it is up and down at that moment in time. And and I'm gonna be going down. I'm just going down at the rate that the sun is going. So in other words, you're now, you're following that line and everything above that line, meaning you're not looking below the line in the shade, so to speak. You're looking anything that's in the sun or on the sun line. Back and forth, correct. back and forth, back and forth, like yep. you're almost sweeping it as the sun sweeps down the actual yeah. a- actual mountain. You're you're starting at the top where the most sun is, and you're sweeping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, following that all the way down. Then, yep. like you said, a That's lot of times, funny. you know, you're spotting a deer here, but you're still following that. Very rarely will you just all of a sudden stop and just lock in on deer, right? You'll be constantly checking those two does and that small buck as you're sweeping down the mountain. Yeah, you know, Jay, I, I almost always inevitably let the, the, the terrain dictate whether I'm going left to right or up and down. But in, 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 the, in the instance that the sun is crawling its way, you know, down the mountain or the shadow line is, is receding, so to speak, or going down the mountain, um, it, it offers you typically a very good horizon, so to speak. And, and you've got a very, you know, good span left and right that you can glass. Um, I almost always uh, will glass, you know, left to right, side to side, um, just because it, it allows you some freedom and and that panning motion is is typically always smoother and and makes for a better transition and and uh, I, I just I you know over the years you just kind of develop the fact that you know you find a lot of deer that way so I keep doing it. When you're doing that pan, and we're talking after Christmas, we're talking ideal conditions, there's something that a deer 
and I'm talking about a doe that you see, and it could be a buck, but you're panning, panning, panning. What, other than the deer's rack and the size of the rack, what could they possibly, what kind of movement could they do that will make your heart jump and you know exactly when you see them do this, you know what it means? Well, the the biggest thing is, is that um, if I see a deer moving, and their 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 posture, their head is is way low, and they get kind of a gait to them. Um, you know, if it's that dark, or let's say it's in the sun, almost inevitably, you know right away that that's a buck. And and, and, and or I a just, doe, a buck chasing a doe. So in other words, if you see trotting, if you see that trot right. or that run, don't you instantly just smile inside and all of a sudden you're oh, like 10 yeah. degrees it, warmer well, just by seeing it, that? And, and, and the other one is, Jay, is that when you see kind of like if you've got, a, you know, I want to say a clump of trees or bushes and you kind of see a doe get kind of blown out of it and you see her kind of jump out of it and she runs about 15 yards and stops, it's almost like you're just expecting a buck to to come up right behind her. And I would tell you that, you know, most of the time it's absolutely true that it, I mean, a buck is coming. Absolutely. There's nothing like watching a doe trot out from a bush, like a squirt, you know, just squirts out from a bush and you just glued to that bush because you know a buck's going to come right out of there. And, um, you know, so I would tell the guys out there listening, if this is your first December hunt and you're hunting after Christmas, focus on the does, focus on like Cody's talking about first thing in the morning, following that shade line down. Don't, don't get caught up in one spot. Keep moving and be looking for that movement, looking for, you know, don't miss deer that are just standing there. But if you see some deer trotting, if you see a deer with his nose to the ground and you, it's still too dark to see antlers, it's inevitably a buck. So either keep your eye on that if it looks like a big body or make sure you check back with it as you're making your sweep down the mountain because that is a buck. If you see him trotting, nose to the ground, uh, that's a great sign that it's a buck. Yeah, there's just a certain posture that they get. And, uh, you know, you can almost say the same thing for, you know, when a buck comes in, and he kind of gets to a spot where he he stops, and there's just kind of this posture and this pose they get when they're they maybe they maybe not see a, a doe out in front of them, but they they can either they've smelled them or they've come into a clearing. They they just kind of get this you know big I don't know just a barrel chested like you know stiff neck and cocked head and. And, you know, the ears are forward. You can just kind of tell it, you know, that's a buck standing right there. And sure enough, when you, you make it out and the light gets better and everything comes together, you're like, you know what? That was a buck standing right there. And it, it's just, it's the best time of the year. It, 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 it is the most exciting. Um, it's my favorite time to be out, period. Yeah, for sure. Cody, looking, let's say you're looking at... Uh you know, seven, eight, nine hundred yards away and it's pretty low light. Um, no, let's let's actually back up. Seven, eight hundred, nine, seven, eight, seven hundred to a thousand yards away 
and you know it's in the morning it's you know going from low light kind of to you know good glassing light in your mind how big does a buck have to be how big do his antlers have to be for it to be a hundred inch buck looking through 15 power binoculars i'm trying to get you a know, sense for those people that maybe haven't seen those bucks and if you're looking I, at six or eight bucks you don't want to waste your time getting the spotting scope out on a dink what is what is like the general rule of thumb of like you know what are you looking for to go that's a good buck i you know I, i'm looking for width to the ears and and i and and certainly i'd like to see that 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 distance at least if you were going to divide that distance between the ears and half that half that distance tall that that's kind of my that's my bracketing that's my box look yeah you know, so in other words ear. if it's like a hundred inch buck you're going to be able to tell that it has antlers on its head and it, you're going to be able to see like like in my mind like anything under a hundred you can't really see much but when it's like a hundred well, yeah, yeah, or I mean, better it's like boom you can instantly see a f like full exactly. frame it's like a whole nother buck it's like a whole nother that's story a, that's, a, that's exactly right exactly yeah yeah i think that's a good yeah i just uh, yeah i just i always you know I, I take the ears with the width and if i if i if i divide that in half i take that distance and it's if it's if he's that tall above his ears half that distance then i just know that that's a good boxy frame yeah and i think you know you've got to have that mass too to have a mature deer and i i know that a lot of deer you can just tell right away that you don't even need to put your spotting scope on them because they're lacking mass they're thin but when you see a mature deer that's you know got got solid mass you know and we're talking you know like you know 15 16 inches of mass it's like a whole nother story you see like chocolate yeah. you know their, their their antlers are almost chocolate and it's just like a solid you know solid mass there a lot of times maybe you can't tell is it a three point or a four by four or what is it but i look for that boxy frame you know above the ears but you can wear you know pretty much at any distance with 15s if you see a solid mass of antler it's a it's a pretty good buck and that's usually what yeah, I, it, i'd use unless you're trying to kill something specific and you're a number chaser or whatever and and typically the number is always you know shooting something over or under 100 right um i tell you like if you see that box and you see that heavy mass and, and certainly you see something bigger than that box just figure out how to shoot it and go ground check it later because I guarantee you're going to be happy with it. Yeah. What and I don't of, know how you couldn't be. Yeah, exactly. What kind of tip could you give guys on those cold mornings? You're, you're leaving your, either your backpacking tent or you're leaving your truck to go hike to your glassing knob and it's a real cold morning. What do you do with your binoculars that you're going to be glassing with? Um, my binoculars I'm glassing with, um, I, I, a lot of times I'll put them on my chest or keep them close to my chest inside my jacket. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is, is because when I get to where I'm going, if they're as warm as my face is, it'll keep them from, uh, from fogging up. Um, so that's always a real good tip. Uh, if not, um, you know, that's, I, 
you know, to keep stuff from fogging up, I, I almost always take my hat off and put it on backwards. Or, you know, a lot of people they they breathe into to where they're in their glass, and and the the heat gets caught underneath their uh, their, their the brim of their hat, and uh, and they don't realize that they're actually causing their binoculars to fog up. Right. So you got you you want your binoculars to be more like your body temp, less like the outside air temp. If you were to hike up to a and sweating and the whole thing and your binos are in your pack and you get up there and it's real crisp and cold and you put your warm face up to a cold binocular immediately yeah. it the, fogs up they'll, yeah they'll fog up almost almost instantaneously yeah yeah that's absolutely correct jay well cody it's been a great episode i know you've got to get going um are you going to be out this december looking for coups yeah, we're, uh, you know, the first weekend, uh, we're going to be hunting with a, a package squadron of the, uh, the, uh, the sheep shape, um, TV show, uh, Eddie Corona, um, was able to put a uh, hunt together with, uh, Patrick, um, you know, for wounded warriors and, uh, outdoors. And, uh, um, I, you know, it, it's going to be a really cool deal to, uh, to get a chance. I've met Patrick on several occasions and, and uh, um, he's just a super good guy, and I uh, can't wait to get out and hunt with him. And he's never hunted Tuesday before, so um, he's uh, he's very excited. And uh, you know, we're going to get to hunt uh, because of his work schedule. He's only got two weekends that he hunts. It's the first and second weekend, and that's all he's got. So uh, we're going to do the best we can to to hook him up with a good representative head. That's awesome. Uh, we're Dar and I will. I've got uh, the December sheep season up in 15D. I've got a hunter from Texas, and then we actually leave for Mexico this year. We're going to do December 27th through January 4th. Uh, part of that new moon on the 29th, uh, we felt like, you know, take a gamble a little bit. We've got a couple young guys that are um, Christmas break. It works good with their schedule. So the 27th through the 4th of January, we'll probably catch some pre-rut activity um, the further south you go, it seems like they rut a little bit later, but I'm just hoping for one of those after Christmas, you know, big storms that come in and then, you know, five, six, seven, eight days of just bluebird cold and just, uh, you know, and then, and then we'll have our hunts in January, but, uh, the season's upon us, bud. Uh, appreciate you spending time with Here. us talking about, uh, coos deer hunting in December and it's always uh, absolutely great talking to you um what's going on at the outdoorsman's i want to give you a chance to uh leave the listeners uh with with a way to get a hold of you and um anything special going yeah on there. um you know jay the, the biggest thing we got going on right now is the sale um, from sarovsky going through the end of the year um and, and i would just tell people that if they're interested in talking to us about that i'll give us a call you know we'll work you through um you know rangefinder scopes um you know, in any of the binoculars that uh, you're looking for, um, you know, and of course we've got all our tripod setups and backpacks. Um, we just had our pack Friday sale. Um, but, uh, you know, give us a, uh, give us a call and, and let us help you out with your next hunt. And, um, you know, that, that's, uh, it's just always a good opportunity to be on the show. Uh, they can always, uh, look at our website at outdoorsmans.com or you can call us at the shop at one 800 291 and uh, we'll be happy to talk to you guys and help you out in any way we can. 
That's awesome, buddy. It was great having you on. Appreciate uh, the Outdoorsman sponsorship of the podcast and uh, look forward to finishing those last couple months of the season strong. And then we'll see a show season. And um, what shows do you know definitively what shows you're going to be at so the listeners can make sure to come and look you up? Yeah, uh, Jay, we're going to be at the Sheep Show this year, um, which is uh, roughly about, uh, what is that, about 19th through the 22nd of the month. I don't, yep. don't quote me on the dates right now, but it's... it's uh, 19th um, and the then, 21st, you know, I think, of January, yep. Yep, and then we have a week off, and then we go uh, to Las Vegas for the, uh, the, the Safari Club International Show. That's kind of the grand idea of them all. And then, uh, and then we have another week off. Um, and we, uh, then we'll be at, uh, Salt Lake city for the Western Hunter Conservation Expo, uh, which is always a real good fun time and, uh, and, and lots of people there. So, uh, yeah, people, you know, if they're in those regions or areas, um, you'll have three chances to get a hold of us and see us. So it'll be a fun time and a, and a really good place to be. Awesome, buddy. Well, uh, have fun on your hunt and, uh, thanks again and God bless you and, and, uh, have a happy holidays if, uh, if I don't see you before then. Absolutely, Jay. Thank you again for the opportunity. It's always good, brother. All right. Take care. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode with our good friend Cody Nelson at The Outdoorsman's. I want to thank them for their sponsorship of this podcast and remind you that you get a 10% discount when you call and use the J. Scott promo code. Uh, Cody's always a great wealth of knowledge to talk to and especially about glassing and coos deer. Um, it, uh, he's a great guest to have on. Uh, guys, if you have any questions of me or any comments, you can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my website, jscottoutdoors.com. You can also link to my Instagram at jscottoutdoors. Follow along there. Uh, on my Facebook page, J. Scott Outdoors. I've got my personal Facebook page, J. Scott. Um, just appreciate interacting with you guys, the listeners. And uh, it's uh, we're right kind of finishing up this year. And, and we're looking forward to coos deer seasons and December and January. And Dar and I have got a lot going on. We're going to continue to keep bringing you uh, up-to-date information here and just thank you for all your support.